episode of Love and Game Film, the podcast about cinematic sports stories and sports movies and how the two can be intertwined. And I've got a pretty good episode for you here. Um, This is going to be the episode post-Oscars. I'm recording it well after the Oscars because, well, I'm moving to a new apartment and a lot of my equipment is packed up. I haven't had time to record as regularly as I would like. That's going to change, hopefully, once I'm in the new place. I'll be able to record more consistently. I'll then be able to more aggressively go after some guests. Hopefully that'll turn out better. So, I had a plan with the Oscars. I had a really good plan. I wanted to watch all the sports things that were nominated. And every year in the Oscars, there's always going to be a few things, a few sports movies or documentaries that are going to be nominated for something. Kobe Bryant very famously won an animated short Oscar for a film cut he t- he dedicated to basketball, a love letter to basketball. And it's kind of a sort of an unwritten cheat code in the Academy Award. If you want to win an Academy Award and you're a documentarian, come up with a really great story about sports. And that's no different this year at the Oscars. The winner for Best Live Action Short in the documentary series is the Queen of Basketball. The Queen of Basketball tells the story of Lucia Harris. And I'll expand, I'll I'll tell you more about the Queen of Basketball and Lucia Harris here in a little bit. But there was also another film called Audible that was nominated for an Oscar. That was about a an entire high school football team who's deaf and how they communicate and how they go on throughout their season. And of course, for the big award, nominated for Best Actor, and ultimately he won, Will Smith was nominated for King Richard. Now I was going to go in and watch King Richard, even though initially I wasn't too excited about the prospect because... I'm more interested in the story of Serena Williams and Venus Williams. I'm sure that their father, Richard Williams, played a big part in their life. But for two, for them to be two of the most dominant tennis players of all time, Serena, inarguably, the best tennis player of all time. Their story has to be way more fascinating than what their story than what their father's story was. Part of why, as much as I love sports movies, I never gravitated towards watching King Richard. Well, long story short, I never got to watch it before the Oscars. Truth be told, still haven't had a chance to watch it. And unless you're living under a rock, you know that Will Smith had a little bit of an incident at the Oscars that's overshadowed everything, which is unfortunate. And because of that, and because of the way he acted and what he did, yeah, he may have won Best Actor for it. I'm probably not going to watch King Richard, at least not anytime soon. I've got a lot of other things on my plate, other projects that I'm going to go after. Uh, I actually want to start watching and podcasting about the WNBA more. I don't watch as much of the WNBA as I usually do because their season is in the summer. And my life as a film critic usually had me really busy in the summer 
but because there haven't been as many movies the last couple of years because of COVID, and I don't actively critique films as often as I used to, I think I really want to focus on providing some WNBA content analysis and analysis for people. But that's for another <laughs> another project. Back to Lucia Harris. The show-stopping headline when it comes to Lucia Harris is going to be that she was the first woman ever drafted by a WNBA team. She was drafted by the Utah Jazz in 1977 with the 137th pick. Now this 22-minute short, The Queen of Basketball, executive produced by Steph Curry and Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, Steph Curry and Shaquille O'Neal are now Academy Award-winning producers. This documentary is so fantastic because 90% of this 22-minute short documentary is a close-up of Lucia Harris's face. And she's just talking about her memories of her time playing. And she's got the biggest, most sweetest smile on her face. She speaks very giddily about her career and her time playing it's just a really sweet documentary and you can tell that she really truly loved the game and she had perspective she had perspective of her over her impact of what she was doing she had perspective of being the first woman drafted by an nba team a lot of things about this documentary are super enlightening and yeah, if, maybe if she had played for the NBA, things would have gotten accelerated as far as ways in which women have finally gotten the recognition they deserve as professional athletes in this country. Maybe all that would have got, happened a little bit sooner had she did had she played in the NBA, but she didn't. And the reasons she didn't play, she can go she goes into into the documentary. But the great thing about it is she's got such a great voice she's got such a happy voice to hear it straight from her lips whether or not she regrets skipping the nba well i'll let her tell you the nba i don't regret not going not even a little bit <laughs> why not christopher is a lawyer eddie has a master's Christina received a doctorate. Krista has a doctorate in education, which she received from Delta uh, State. That's like all of them. Yeah, I said I wasn't going to tell you why she skipped the NBA, but her reasoning is just so sweet and honest and refreshing. She had four amazing kids who turned out great. And yeah... Why would you have any regrets about anything about the way your life turned out, if that's the end result? I don't know when this documentary re documentary was filmed. We did, however, unfortunately lose Lucia in January of this year, and so she never got to see this documentary win the Academy Award. But it's for free on YouTube, part of the New York Times documentary series. Just type, just go to YouTube, type in The Queen of Basketball, 22 minutes short. This is absolutely worth your time.
it is a truly wonderful documentary and it's embodies everything that this podcast is about everything that i love about sports in general truly deserving of the academy award even though making a sports documentary is a little bit of a cheat code but it only goes to prove what this documentary what this podcast is all about and that people truly love sports movies and love sports stories and they love cinematic sports stories and what's more cinematic than being the first woman ever drafted by the w by the nba excuse me not the wnba the nba we're gonna take a quick break and go over the next episode of winning time and welcome back from the break so we are on to episode four of winning time and this show is be- is beginning to take off in the direction that I love, getting into the nitty-gritty of what it is that I want to see, and it's the birth of Showtime basketball. Now, as with any anything new, anything that's an evolution, there's some resistance, and there's even some chaos, and it doesn't look like it works at first. But Jack McKinney was a visionary. He was hired on as the Lakers head coach in this episode due to Jerry Tarkanian backing out at the last second. The truth of why he backed out is probably a little bit exaggerated in this in this TV show. Had to do a little bit with the mafia. They may or may not have influenced. I know that Jerry Tarkanian was an important part of Las Vegas and Las Vegas basketball, and so... Yeah, there might be some truth to it. But Jack McKinney was hired out of desperation. He was a winning assistant coach in Portland. Visionary, like I said. He saw the future of basketball. And the future of basketball was not going to be spending 22 to 24, 20 to 22 seconds of the 24-second shot clock, just pounding it into a big man, letting him dribble, and in the Lakers' case, sky hook. And that's it. As much as I love basketball, as much as the necessity to get a bucket every now and then, and the simplest way to do that, even today, is probably having a quality big man in the post, drop it into him, let him do his magic, footwork, dribble, spin. It's probably the most effective way to get a basket in the league. It's more important come playoff time. It's not really going to help your brand grow. It's not really going to help the sport evolve. And Jack McKinney knew that. And you see a lot of that in this episode. You also see the introduction of Paul Westhead, played by Jason Siegel. If you don't know the history of what is about to happen, this seems like a strange inter- introduction. He seems like a very strange guy. Why would this guy have anything important to do on a Lakers team that is going to revolutionize the game? Well, we'll find out in a couple of weeks. But Jason Siegel's performance as Paul Westhead is pretty good. He's not given as much to do, and it's not as a defamatory a portrayal as Jerry West's. But Jason Siegel fans, I think, would find a lot to enjoy here with his introduction. One of the things that was brewing throughout the first few episodes was how is this team going to play with a point guard like Norm Nixon, who's a very good point guard? 
how are him and magic going to coexist and yeah as expected at first the first couple of practices in training camp with jack mckinney it's not going so well norm and magic are competing for the starting point guard spot will they play together can they play together well in episode one of this podcast when scott weinberg was a guest i alluded to the fact that norm nixon ended up coexisting with magic pretty well the year before magic johnson was there norm nixon averaged 17.1 points a game nine assists a game 2.8 rebounds he shot roughly 14 field goals a game made a little over half of them was a very efficient shooter for a point guard in 1979 1979-80 magic's rookie year norm nixon's scoring actually increased from 17.1 to 17.6 His assists did go down, but that's to be expected because Magic Johnson probably took the bulk of that. Rebounds, exactly the same. 2.8, 2.8. Field goal percentage dropped a little bit. Actually put up slightly more field goals per game, made roughly the same amount. But overall, Norm Nixon played pretty much the exact same game with Magic that he did without Magic. And that's super interesting to hear when you see how hard it was for them to coexist in this first practice. And yeah, I can't wait to see how it evolves even further. One thing that isn't so surprising was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's sort of resistance to this new style. It's super fast. It's very quick. Not something that Kareem is really used to. He's being a basketball player, being one of the best basketball players of all time, he's a great athlete already, but he's not the type of athlete that's going to be able to run up and down the court. His very classic ideal of what a big man was is not exactly inducive to this run-and-gun style that Jack McKinney was was trying to introduce, but the great thing about this style, and you see it, in this practice and it's even alluded to in the show this this evolution of style is sort of like classical music versus jazz you can like classical music I don't think you can really get excited by it jazz is improvisation it's fast it's different every time it can be confusing Jerry West is certainly confused by it at least that's portrayed in this show but without this evolution we wouldn't have players like Steph Curry who changed the game by not just being the greatest shooter of all time but if you ever watch Steph Curry play when he passes the reason why Steph Curry gets so many open shots is not because he makes them himself or because players I mean players do set screens for him sometimes but if you'll notice when he brings the ball up he passes the first thing he does is run a big circle around the court to an open spot And that's where his teammates find him. But it wasn't just the NBA experience or the basketball experience that was changing. The game itself as a sport was evolving. In this episode, you begin to see a little bit into Jerry Buss's head as to what it is he's imagining. And he's been alluding to it all season long with that opening scene where he's laying next to a buxom blonde. And he's talking about how... 
basketball should be fluid and it should feel sexy. And that's kind of the feel that this whole season has been going for. You certainly see that with all the Magic Johnson scenes and every time he's cheating on Cookie. Which is no whole other thing about Magic Johnson's character. But you begin to see how different it's going to be going to an NBA game. Now, I don't have the experience of what it was like to go to an NBA game before. Obviously, this is before my time. But I can say that just what I've seen in these episodes, the influences that the Showtime era had on what is now currently the NBA fan experience and how it's evolved with the advent of social media. Like, man, I really wish Jerry Buss had lived through this uh, social media time because I'm really curious how he would have embraced it, even being a man of an older age. But he has really cool ideas, and you begin to see that in this episode. As the season progresses, there's not going to be a lot of new storylines introduced at this point. The next episode will be episode 5 of what is going to be a 10-episode season. So we're pretty much at the point where we need to expand upon the storylines that we've seen. And I can tell you, only because I'm recording this out of order... In the next episode, we do learn a little bit more about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and how he changed his name from Lou Alcindor. There's a neat little Easter egg about Kobe Bryant in the next episode that more than likely wasn't true. It could have been. could have easily been true, but I doubt it was. And that's about all I'm going to tease for the next episode. And we'll go ahead and keep this one nice and short as, again, I don't have a guest. I'm working on guests. I've got a few lined up. Right now, I've got a few lined up who actually report on the Lakers and this being the end of the regular season it's a pretty busy time for them and so it's hard to you know get some time from them I'll probably be able to get them in the summer and I might even be able to get some live interviews from NBA Summer League which I plan to attend because I tended to I attended it last year and it was such a blast I cannot wait to do it again but yeah, that's going to about do it for this episode of Love and Game Film. Once again, I'm your host, JC DeLeon. You can find me on Twitter, personally, at JCDeLeon1. On Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, that same username, at JCDeLeon1. If you want to follow the show, I'm still not posting as much, but I do have a couple of game, game analysis clips from the Lakers. One about Austin Reeves on the Instagram account of Love and T- of Love and Game Film. You can follow Love and Game Film the show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Love Game Film. Please, uh, if you listen to us wherever you listen to us, iTunes, Spotify, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a five star review if you can. Tell your friends if they like sports, if they like sports movies. I'm trying to get this thing to grow, and your help would be much appreciated. And until next time, we are out.